Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Eagle Brook Church Leadership Podcast. My name is John Alexander, and I'm here with my man, oh. my friend, my muse, Don Grafham. <laughs> Don, have the birds migrated yet? That's oh. the question everyone is wondering. <laughs> they headed south. They Well, I think they're supposed to be. It's. I even said it to my wife this morning. It's been a bad bird season the whole oh. couple of days. I've oh, been really, my gosh. Really slow. I'm hoping <laughs> they're going to fly back through, but yeah, yeah it, it'll happen. It's not yet. Yeah. But I'm glad you asked. Thanks for coming. <laughs> of course. I'm so worried. Well, today we're excited to welcome a guest who is just weeks away from ministry retirement, someone who has ran a long race and done it so well. And we're so excited to learn from him. Byron Emmert. I might just say too, before he introduced himself, that Byron is the OG of this leadership podcast. I don't know what OG means exactly, and that might be the most trendy thing ever. <laughs> I think it's original. It. I, yeah, it's probably bad. I don't know. I'm so sorry. If it, I, don't, I just learned from the kids. But he is the original That's true. of this leadership podcast several years ago. Helped yeah. launch it. Byron and I, we recorded probably. I 10, think OG 11. was original gaffer. <laughs> gaffer. <laughs> he even knows more than I. <laughs> Anyways, that's right. Byron, uh, tell us about who you are and what you're currently doing. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, John and Don, thank you. Uh, it's it's really uh, really fun to do this with you, uh, especially as I'm uh, finishing up a ministry career. Um, most important, I'm uh, going on 46 years of being married to Linda. We have three married adult kids and nine grandkids between the ages of two and 16, and that has a lot to do with why I'm retiring. (laughs) Uh, I actually received my first paycheck for doing ministry 50 years ago. Wow. And uh, I'm currently part of the generosity and development team at Eagle Brook, plus I'm doing some speaking and consulting on the site. You know, that's what old guys do. They consult. Yeah, totally. Uh, so, but I'm retiring in three weeks on my 70th birthday. Oh my goodness. Byron, man, that's incredible. And by the way, I do need to add this before we go any further. Don, you have an incredible voice for podcast slash radio. Mm. Byron's is next level. Uh, I think yeah. you guys are one, two. You guys have a great lower end voice. I just need to say that. I'm jealous of that. Well, but anyways. <laughs> the, the key is you stay up late the night before. That's yes, right. Byron has a great voice for it. You have a future in whatever, radio podcast. <laughs> this is going to be great. Um, but Byron, truly, so you're going to f- celebrating 50 years of ministry on your 70th birthday, and we're going to get into your full ministry history. But first, I do want to set up today's conversation with a bit of a sobering stat. I just heard uh, from Dr. Robert Clinton, who's the author of Making of a Leader. He studied biblical leadership, found that, you know, there's thousands of leaders in the Bible. And of the, you know, there's a percentage of those that we know their full story of how they started and finished. And he found that only 30% of those leaders finished well. That means 70% didn't. And it seems that every day we read about another leader, specifically in ministry, who did not finish well. And so when I get a chance to meet with other leaders, in fact, even just recently with um, Bob, our ex-senior pastor, Kyle Ottoman, who's a senior pastor in Kentucky, and Jason Strand, our current senior pastor, I asked Bob, hey, speak to us. How do we all finish well? How do we make it across the finish line? And so that's what we're gonna talk about today. And Byron, you mentioned you've been doing ministry for 50 years. Tell us about all the things you've done. <laughs> Maybe not all. I mean, yeah, we don't have time no, for that. But no. just give us the overview. I mean, where has God taken you the last 50 years? Yeah. Wow. 
Well, even when you say that, um, I feel tired. Just, um, <laughs> just immediately fell asleep. Yeah, somebody has asked somebody asked me the other day. Okay, so you're retiring on October 12th, the day you turn 70. By the way, that's not a plug for sending me birthday cards. That's just, yeah, but that's okay. It, it just blurted out. Yeah. And so on October 13th, I'm going to take a nap. I'm, <laughs> yes. I'm going to start with that. Um, the uh, the most time I've spent in one specific area of ministry has been with Youth for Christ. Started out in Youth for Christ uh, 49 years ago, and uh, was with Youth for Christ for 38 years wow. as a campus life director, uh, lead director, regional coordinator, and uh, wrote and developed uh, a lot of training material and curriculum for leadership development. I served in leadership with Youth for Christ National in uh, leadership development. DCLA events in Washington, D.C. and Los Angeles for 16 years helped lead that. And uh, well over 100,000 students went through uh, that experience together. Um, and then uh, a little over 10 years ago, Oh, and I forgot, I was a senior pastor, too, for 11 years. <laughs> forgot that Just part. forgot that part. <laughs> oh, but here's the amazing thing. I was three-quarter time senior pastor, and uh, so that I could uh, continue one-fourth time, especially in the area of uh, speaking and writing. Mm. Uh, but a little over 10 years ago, I came to Eagle Brook and uh, was excited about the role of directing leadership development and uh, have done that for seven years and loved it. And um, But I felt the nudge from God's Spirit to start uh, moving in a slightly different direction so that I could spend more time with my family, which I've been doing the last three years, um, meeting with, uh, with folks who are generous and trying to help folks see the value that we have of being generous. So that's a quick run by. Man, that's great. Okay, Byron, maybe you've made a couple mistakes <laughs> along the way. Can you think of a time that you made a mistake? What did you learn from it? How did you grow from yeah. it? Well, first of all, that reminds me of a comment Bob Merritt uh, made to me 10 years ago when I started as Director of Leadership Development. He said, Byron, uh, I see you have got quite a bit of gray hair, and mm -hmm. so basically we're hiring you for this role so that you can try to help these young buck pastor's staff mm -hmm. not make all the same mistakes that you and I have already made. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, so that's it. I mean, we always want to, we can learn, and it's one of the best ways to learn. I, I think one of the mistakes that I made that really stands out to me, and uh, hopefully it'll really encourage uh, pastors, leaders, volunteers, uh, has to do with making sure the people you're leading stay on mission. Uh, I pastored uh, a church for 11 years, and uh, the, it was in a rural area, and uh, it grew from about 200, almost 600 people in a, in a community of 2,000 people. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were doing a lot of Eagle Brook kinds of approaches to ministry, and the mission was similar. And the church grew, people came to uh, know Christ, and uh, in a very exciting time. And then uh, I was ready to make the change, and I thought the church would keep doing what I had tried to lead the church to do. And uh, that is to have a ministry focus, a mission of reaching people and helping them grow in their relationship with Christ. Mm -hmm. But after uh, 
a few months away, uh, word got back to me that uh, a leader on the on the church board said, okay, Byron was amazing at reaching people for Christ, but now we need to find somebody who's really deep. Oh, boy. And uh, so we're going to go find a, uh, a new pastor who will really focus on deep teaching. Mm. And um, so sadly, they did find someone, and he's a, he's a great guy, but the focus changed, mm. and uh, the, uh, the church dwindled back to its original size mm. within a year and a half. Mm. And uh, so that's a mistake. And so uh, in hindsight, you got to keep people focused on the mission. Mm. Uh, and uh, so that was one. Uh, I think another one, uh, related to the DCLAs in my early 30s, uh, the first one we ever did, we had 32,000 students and youth workers for five days. Uh, mm. There was a fire in the hotels. Uh, it was crazy. It was stressful. And uh, I spent the last three months getting ready for it, getting three to four hours of sleep a night. And so after it was over, I went into uh, severe depression. Mm. And, uh, you know, back then in the 80s, uh, in the Christian community, you didn't talk about your depression. Mm. And uh, so I just tried to read the Bible more, pray more, and uh, I made the mistake of not asking for help. Mm. I told Linda, she saw it, unfortunately, all the time, uh, but I was too afraid. And I look back on it, and if I had been willing uh, to seek help, um, I could have gotten over the suffering mm. that I went through uh, much, much sooner. Mm. Uh, but God is a redeeming God. God has used that part of my story uh, to uh, have some pretty important conversations with people uh, in the years since then. So uh, th- those would be two mm. mistakes. Yeah. And uh, I've learned from it and, and uh, trusted God to use it. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing those. Yeah, that's huge. I would, if we can just camp on those just sure. for a second, because I think mental health continues yeah. to be such a predominant topic, especially for leaders. Let's go ahead and say, if someone's listening and they're feeling off, yeah. what are there? Some, is there something they should be paying attention to? How do they know when it's just I'm I'm a bit in a slump? things haven't been going my way to like, I should get help. Is there anything you'd say to someone that's maybe struggling a little bit? Right, yeah. Well, you know, I've done a lot of research and reading on it and then from personal experience. um, I think when you you start to notice that, uh, we all have discouragement, Mm -hmm. but when uh, your discouragement turns into something that's just, it doesn't go away. Um, and uh, especially if, and you can be really, you know, uh, spending time with with Jesus, uh, praying, reading the Bible, uh, and all of that, but you still notice that you can't hardly get out of bed in the morning, hmm. you can't sleep, uh, your health is deteriorating, uh, you have no energy for people you want to withdraw. Um, those are all things that I that I faced, and it's a it's a and I think you know the mental health thing. Plus, I think any of us, whether we be volunteers, pastors, leaders, uh, there's the spiritual battle. Satan does not want us mm-hmm. uh, to overcome that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, my encouragement to anyone feeling that yeah. uh, take a risk and 
talk to somebody mm-hmm. and say, hey, can I talk to you about it? I don't know if I really am dealing with depression, but yeah. it feels like it. Can you, can you help me out? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wish I had done that much sooner. Yeah. Here's the good news. Um, a Christian friend referred me to a Christian psychiatrist, and they did some tests and uh, uh, determined that I had a physiological thing. During all that stress of doing those big conferences, mm-hmm. I had basically uh, destroyed my adrenal gland. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so yeah, I had a physiological deal, and so I got on a pretty low uh, level of a med, actually, an mm-hmm. antidepressant. Mm-hmm. And I've been on it since the mid-'80s. Mm. Every morning when I take that, that little pill, uh, I thank God for his healing, but I also thank him mm. for giving uh, doctors and scientists mm. the ability to create something mm. that helps me. And That's so great. I can honestly tell you I have never struggled with depression Mm-hmm. Uh, in a serious way mm-hmm. since the 80s. Nice. Yeah, amazing. Thank you for sharing that, Byron. Yeah. That's going to be really helpful for a lot of people. Yeah. And one of the reasons we even dove in about mistakes is because um, I saw one article outline four ways that ministry leaders potentially finish. And they listed out as they end up disqualified, limping, walking, or running. And Byron, despite some of the mistakes <laughs> that maybe you're referencing and the struggles you've had to overcome, you're running. I mean, maybe not always physically, although... Hey, 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 wait a minute. I, <laughs> I'm going to be 70, but I still do 25 miles a week. Whoa. Exactly. There's something there that you, we John? should talk many, about. I don't miles? run 25 miles hey, a no, week. But do you know why? <laughs> because I want to be around for Linda and my family, yeah. and I love to eat. So that there you go. So. <laughs> There's a learning there in that. That's right. Way to go. <laughs> like but you're spiritually and physically running towards the end. And just, by the way, end of official you know, ministry whatever this is, because you've got a lot more ministry still to do. But um, besides talking about the mistakes and how we overcome that, let's talk about what it takes to actually finish well. So going off that last question, what would you say to younger leaders like us, even Don, who's younger? Oh, yeah. The younger. Very young. Very young. About what it takes to finish well. I mean, can you boil that down into a couple of things that come to mind? Yeah, Um Again, I'm going to go back to, and you're going to see a, a, a theme from my experience. I'm going to go back to another time in my 40s when a mentor said to me, Byron, you're in your early 40s, but you need to think about finishing strong. Hmm. And so he gave me a book called Finishing Strong by Steve Farrar. Hmm. And uh, it's an amazing book. And uh, even though I had read Philippians 3 many, many times, uh, he brought it up in the, in, in the book, uh, Finishing Strong. So let me just read a couple of verses from Philippians chapter 3. Uh, Paul writes this, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. And then a couple of verses later, he says, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. And uh, the reason I remember that is an illustration in the book. Uh, if you guys have you ever seen uh, rowing competition in the Olympics, mm-hmm. you know it's unbelievable. They got these long uh, canoes that are. They're, <laughs> I know they're not canoes, but they look like really <laughs> long canoes, and it looks like looks like there's about ten or twelve people, right. very muscular men and women competition, and uh, they have their their oars in the water, and they are going for the finish line. But the deal is, their backs are to the finish line. Mm. And they are looking at the coxswain, who is in the other end of the boat. 
that captain, that leader can see the finish line. Mm. And he is or she is giving uh, direction or adjusting the timing, making sure they're listening and obeying. And so that's the deal. We don't know when, I don't know exactly when my life is going to end, mm. but, but that'll be the, the tape measure, if you will, mm-hmm. the finish line. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Jesus does. Mm. And so uh, I would encourage leaders more than anything else, uh, prepare for the finish line, though you can't see it, by keeping your eyes on Jesus and obeying, because mm. he knows and has the best way to finish. Mm. Um, you know, and so one of the ways I've tried to put that into practice, and here's how I would encourage others. You know, I'm a, I love to preach, and so then there's this thing called alliteration. So mm-hmm. I'm going to give you three Ps. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Don loves a good alliteration. I do. <laughs> and so here's the, here's the first one. Uh, keep in mind uh, our purpose. Yeah. Purpose. Um, and purpose is different than our job. Uh, purpose, when you look at the totality of Scripture, and specifically Paul refers to it in Philippians 3, it's to know God and glorify Him. And uh, I don't think, I mean, I don't think any of us, uh, we probably will forget or take it for granted, but I think every single morning, I know I like to stop in, in my quiet time and go, okay, God, here's my purpose today, mm. um, to really know you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm 69, but I still want to know you more deeply, mm-hmm. and I want to glorify you. I, I, the next P would be um, people. Uh, I think a lot of times we forget that it's all about people and their individual stories. I love it at Eagle Brook. We talk about every story matters to God. Um, and uh, But sometimes I think we go, I just got to finish this job. I got to lead this group. I got to uh, lead this program. I got to put this strategy together. Uh, and we lose sight of individual people because that's what it's about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the third P is passion. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably Paul, more than anyone you read about in the scriptures, uh, taught on the importance of passion in, in glorifying God. Um, so again... I think a lot of it has to do with uh, spiritual gifts. Mm. And uh, I th- hopefully you guys will uh, jump in anytime. Um, but my top three spiritual gifts for 30-some years, whenever I do gifts assessment, were leadership, teaching, and pastoring. Sometimes they would change those top three. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so as I got older, and in fact, starting about three, four years ago, when I was in my previous role at Eagle Brook with leadership development, I, uh, I took the gifts assessment again. And now my number one spiritual gift in the test was wisdom. Hmm. And, and I tried to figure it out, and I talked to some of the younger staff that I've been coaching and mentoring. And the deal was uh, I had spent years teaching and training others to take my place. And so my last couple of years in that previous role, I wasn't upfront teaching and training near as much as I used to. Mm-hmm. Now young buck staff were doing that, mm-hmm. and I got to spend time with them, encouraging them, coaching, mentoring, and so now it's wisdom. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, mm. you know, remember the story of Queen Esther mm-hmm. for such a time and place as this? Mm-hmm. So I encourage everyone, yeah. uh, discover your passion by having a handle on your, on your, spiritual, your spiritual gifts mm-hmm. and uh, always pursuing that. That's great. Mm. Love that. Yeah, I do love it too. Yeah. Byron, if I could just ask real quickly, this will be hard for you to do fast, but you have this story about a guy that, because one of your three top focus is on people. And I remember the story of how you interacted with a guy that was in a time of need mm-hmm. and just the way you ministered to that mm-hmm. person. Can you just give us a snippet of that story? Because to me, it's a great picture of your sure. influence. As John is checking time, we'll see yeah. how we're doing. <laughs> okay. I, I, I'll, do the, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll try to do the speed version. Uh, again, one of the things we talk about at Eagle Brook all the time is having humble confidence. Mm. And um, I remember... Uh, teaching the staff in a leadership development session about the importance of humility and confidence and ministry to individuals and listening for the Holy Spirit to give us a nudge, to have our radar radar up from the Spirit for individuals. And uh, I gave a pretty passionate presentation, as I remember, and, um, you know, I was probably, um, you know, maybe I had a little bit of pride right afterwards going, I sure hope those young staff get this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, God knew that I needed to get it. And so uh, the following evening, Linda and I are at the Tavern Grill and Blaine having a nice romantic dinner outside on the patio. Mm-hmm. And there's a guy sitting next to us who I can tell is obviously very, very sick. And Linda and I, I'm trying to whisper sweet nothings into Linda's ear, and, <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden I hear this noise, and uh, evidently he had gotten up and gone to the restroom, but he's coming back in a walker, and uh, the, the server had, re, uh, had put a chair back where his walker needed to go. And so he was struggling to get at the table again. So I just jumped up and reached over and pulled the chair out of the way, and I said, here you go. And I sat back down to spend time with Linda, and all of a sudden, he, he just slugs me in the shoulder. And I turn and look at him. He goes, thank you. And I said, well, you're welcome. And then I turn away again, and he hits me again. He goes, no, I mean it. Thank you. A lot of people wouldn't do that. Yeah. And I said, oh, well. And all of a sudden, as I'm looking at him and realizing this guy has some real needs, uh, God is saying to me, okay, Byron, remember you challenged the staff about caring for people individually? Yeah. Here you go. Yeah. And so I knew I needed to learn his story. Mm-hmm. And so I just looked him in the eye and mm-hmm. I glanced at his atrophied legs. Mm-hmm. And I said, so what's your story? Found out his name was Chaz and he was uh, in his 60s. And uh, he said, well, I'm, uh, I'm very, very sick. I'm dying of cancer, um, but I have a lot of money. <laughs> I don't know why he told me that. <laughs> so, uh, so I just uh, got to know him a little bit more, asked him a lot of questions. And then when he asked me what I did, I told him I'm a pastor, and then he just freaked out. And to find, I find out that, I mean, his, his background had nothing to do with church. He had been inside a church three times in his life, wow. once for a wedding and twice for funerals. Mm-hmm. And uh, he used to uh, party as a, he was a band member uh, with the, uh, 
the, oh Tom, uh, the guy that Tom Jones. The, mm-hmm. Now I'm really dating myself. Yeah. Yeah. He was he was the Justin Bieber of uh, forty years ago. <laughs> And so uh, just party city for this guy, uh, numerous wives, and he's dying. And uh, so I told him that I wanted to pray for him, mm. for healing. And uh, he said, you would do that? And I said, sure. And he goes, well, I'll visit your church. And I said, it's not about visiting Eelbrook. I said, I just love to, I'll come to your home and pray for you. Mm. And he looks at me and goes, wow, uh, you got the magic. Mm. <laughs> and so then we parted ways. So I watched at Blaine campus that weekend to see if all of a sudden he showed up. He didn't. And then Monday, lunchtime, break room, Bob Merritt comes up to me and he goes, hey, I met this guy at Lionel yesterday. Mm-hmm. I said, what do you mean? He goes, this guy came in a walker down the aisle, looked like walking death, and he comes up to me and he says, I'm looking for Byron Emmert. Mm-hmm. And Bob said, he told the guy, well, um, I, this isn't his campus. I don't think he's here today. And so then <laughs> Chaz goes, and let's get one thing straight, Bob. Uh, I'm not here looking for you. I'm not looking for God. I'm really looking for Byron. <laughs> <laughs> and so Bob says, well, how'd you get to know him? And here's, here's the power line. He moved a chair for me at a restaurant. Mm. Mm. So to make a long story short... Um, Spent time with him at his home over the next six weeks, two months, Mm -hmm. and uh, he got it. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget the day he was reading out of Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. It's not by works, by grace, it's a gift. And so he accepted God's gift, Mm -hmm. and uh, he prayed to receive Jesus. Of course, he didn't have a church home, uh, but we got to do the service at Spring Lake Park campus. Mm And uh, he he was sharing his faith with anybody and everybody mm-hmm. uh, those last few weeks before he died. Mm. And so it is about people, mm. Don and John. Um, yeah. We got to listen for the Holy Spirit's nudge. It's not hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have to be uh, trained. We don't have to have all the answers, but mm-hmm. just to love on people as God's Spirit leads us to do that. Yeah. And it might be as simple as moving a chair. Moving yeah. a chair. Yeah, it's oh, really awesome. good. Yeah, well, John, maybe to transition and give Byron a breath there yeah. too. Thanks for sharing that, Byron. Yeah. I love your impact on Chaz. Amazing. But let's just hit a little more on why leaders don't finish yeah. well. You have any thoughts, maybe even what you've observed? Yeah, I've I've been thinking about this too. I mean, I'm 38. I'm not I'm not near the end, but I've definitely been thinking about it. I'm entering second half territory. You know, of, you look 39. Thank you. I'm almost 39. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, thank okay. you. I appreciate okay. that. And um, so I, I have thought about this. I'm always heartbroken by stories of leaders who don't finish well. I always pray um, for God's grace to not be one of those leaders. I know I'm capable of becoming one of those leaders. I think there's an awareness of like, that could be me. How do I make sure that that isn't me? Mm-hmm. Um, so I obviously, I mean, to, to go off what Byron said, it's not doing those things he talked about. It's not having a passion or a purpose or um, being about people. But there's also things like, I mean, obviously the things that surround and tempt us in sin. I mean, there's the love of money. I think that that is something we all struggle with. And there's this abuse of power. I think oftentimes people are given so much um, power, not in necessarily worldly terms, but sometimes worldly terms where 
that's a lot of attention. That's a lot of power. You're affecting a lot of lives. There's mm-hmm. pride too. I think we all battle that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's you know leaders don't finish well because of um, sexual mis- misconduct. And why do those things happen? There's oftentimes settings where people don't have any accountability, mm-hmm. no real accountability. There's no work or um, self reflection, no work on self. There's no actual re- genuine relationship with God. It's kind of become stale or routine or an afterthought or. Um, so yeah, I don't, I mean, there's all kinds of reasons, of course, and why they happen. Oftentimes I've found with leaders, someone just talked to me about this, um, that alcohol is often a reason Mm -hmm. that leaders fail, that alcohol becomes a a casual and, oh, maybe I'll have a drink here and there to something that's abused or something to take away some of the anxiousness and, um, Mm -hmm. the pressure from leadership. So I mean, we could go on and on, but what what about you, Don? What do yeah. you think? No, I don't know. You're right, and we do see it more and more. Your your stat you shared earlier uh, about seventy percent kind of hitting the ditch mm-hmm. is a a sobering one. So I, I do think it's something that we need to pay attention to. I do think self care is so critical, mm-hmm. and it is almost hard to say because it sounds so basic. Even a lot of what we're talking about feels like oh, this is one hundred and one leadership. But a lot of people just miss that stuff and putting your relationship with God as a priority, putting your relationship with your wife and your kids Mm -hmm. and your family a priority Mm -hmm. and continuing to grow and learn and remain humble. Uh, Just so many people kind of let those things go. Like you said, they become secondary and having people that can call you out. Mm -hmm. It's so critical. I think as leaders grow in influence, they start to feel maybe a little entitled or I have the right to have this position or be different than everybody else and they fail to let other people in. You've got to have that. You know, may, may I add one that it's been my greatest personal struggle in my striving to finish strong, uh, and that's insecurity. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the things you talked about, John, um, we go after what the world offers because we're insecure a lot yeah. of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to uh, just go, what's wrong with me? I, I'm, I'm a leader. I love Jesus. Why am I so insecure? And then I realized that even though I know my identity is in Christ, mm-hmm. our insecurities are going to be with us until Jesus comes back or takes us home. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I sadly, I've had friends and colleagues who haven't finished well because they never got a handle on dealing or overcoming uh, their insecurities. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, you, you know, uh, the old song, uh, you got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. Mm-hmm. I, I've, I've had friends who didn't <laughs> do yeah, that. Right. They hung on right. and they actually got nervous and felt threatened when they would see younger leaders who they had helped develop yeah. turning uh, to, out to be more successful. Yes. Right. Um, more talented right. and accomplishing more. Mm-hmm. And and so then some leaders hang on because yeah. they go, wait a minute, I feel threatened. Yep, mm-hmm. right, right. That's well said. You know, Byron, we love your family. Don mentioned your family um, and how it's, and you've mentioned your family and, you know, between you and your better half, Linda, you've been such a, a prayerful um, champion of our staff and our church and, even just encourage you, and I'll encourage you at the end too, but you've had such an impact on our staff culture and our leadership development culture. I mean, just a massive impact in who we are as a church. Um, but, and I mentioned Linda because I I see her as an um, 
well, again, the better half of you. I mean, oftentimes Absolutely. you see both of you around, and <laughs> Linda is always, you know, around. How can I pray for you? She's dropping off treats and she's supporting people and encouraging people. But talk us um, through like how you've maintained a healthy marriage and family over the years. Now, you don't have to get into the, we're not perfect. We know you're not perfect. There's <laughs> been mistakes. There's been struggles along the way. Yeah, but yeah. but you're here and you're at this point and yeah, yeah. How, how have you done yeah. that? Have you balanced that? Yeah, great question. And uh, uh, it's um, it's a challenge and a battle for all of us uh, one thing I would I would comment to start with is when we understand our purpose uh, to know God and glorify Him, uh, then we can see what God is calling us to do, whether that be vocational ministry or volunteering. And again, we can't do any of this without our wonderful volunteers. Is that it's a calling, not just a job. And uh, and so my encouragement is that if if, in, if you're married, if you and your spouse are on the same page mm. uh, spiritually, because then you can see it as a calling versus just my job. Mm-hmm. Um, when Linda and I got engaged uh, 47 years ago, uh, we were trying to figure out what commitment meant. And uh, I looked at her and I said, well, boy, I... She said, I don't know if I have enough love to get married on. And I said, oh, I don't know. She, I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, you know, in years when we have crying babies and can't pay the bills. And I went, wow, I don't know if I got that either. <laughs> yes, right. And I said, but here's what I know, that my commitment to you is that I will constantly give everything I know about myself to everything I know about you. Mm. And she said, let's get married. Mm. And that, I say that because a lot of times we have a commitment to our spouse, but we don't renew it and live it every day. Mm-hmm. Now, sure, I mess up all the time, mm-hmm. but that's that's the deal. Uh, she knows she's priority. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then with our kids and grandkids, um, and one of the hard things is that I was gone a lot over the many decades and traveled a lot. But I was always very intentional about time when I was at home or catching their activities, being their greatest fan. Mm-hmm. Um, but my biggest encouragement, especially for younger families, um, would be, uh, I don't know who originated this, but I first heard it from Dr. James Dobson, who was sort of our marriage and parenting counselor on the radio years ago. Mm-hmm. He said this, the greatest gift you can give your kids is to be Jesus with skin on. Mm. And um, Linda and I talked about it, prayed about it, but I'll never forget when our oldest, uh, we called him Benji at the time, when he was four, we're sitting at the evening dinner table and Tyler's two, he's in the high chair, and I just love to have conversation. So I looked at the kids and I went, hey, do you think mommy and I love you? And they went, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, with food dribbling out of the <laughs> mouth. And, and so then I pressed our four-year-old Benji. I said, Benji, what if we couldn't... Uh, no, first let me ask you, how do you know we love you? And he said, well, because you're always giving me hugs. Hmm. I said, okay, what if for some reason we couldn't give you hugs? Would you still know that we loved you? He thought a little bit more and he goes, yeah. And I said, well, how? And he goes, well, you always tell me you love me. Hmm. And I didn't know where I was going with this, but, you know, it's fun. And I said, what if we couldn't tell you, no hugs, and we can't talk? 
to tell you that we love you? Would you still know that we loved you? And now the little wheels of a four-year-old mind are turning. And all of a sudden he smiles and he goes, yeah. And I said, how? He says, Daddy, when I see you and Mommy loving each other, mm. then I know you love me too. Mm. So um, the greatest thing we can do mm. is to love God, love our spouse, mm. and it's going to make a world of a difference in mm. our kids and grandkids. That's great. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Really good. How cool that you guys have that, and those stories are amazing, the way that you've kept your family to be so central to who you are. I love that about you, Byron, and it is obvious, and uh, we all know ministry and even leadership is a team sport, so I think we could all say our spouses mm -hmm. are our biggest cheerleaders. So grateful we have those mm -hmm. kind of marriages. Mm -hmm. But uh, if you were to look back, any regrets that you might have looking at your leadership run? Yes, it's in general over a period of time, I did not say no enough. Mm -hmm. uh, God, by his grace, uh, has blessed us with an amazing family, but I was gone so much. And, you know, I talked about insecurity a little bit ago mm -hmm. uh, because I was insecure. I kept saying yes mm -hmm. to too many opportunities mm -hmm. and to too many requests. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, so, yeah, that's just, yeah. I had it to do all over again. I would have listened to the guy 20 years older than me mm -hmm. who said, remember to say no. Mm -hmm. And I always thought, oh, yeah, I will, I will. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I didn't. Ah. And so I'm trying again. All of you who are younger, remember <laughs> to say no. That's right. All right, that's we'll good. listen. Okay, on that positive note, yeah. how about just one or two greatest highlights? Short, short version. Because so we are running out of time. Okay. Right. okay. <laughs> um, well, Maybe just kind of give a full, how about a full circle one? Yeah. yeah. 50 years ago when I started out in ministry, Youth for Christ, uh, we did a monthly Saturday night rally here in Minneapolis at First Baptist downtown located at 11th and Hennepin. Mm -hmm. And by the way, that is the location of where our Minneapolis campus is going to be this next year. That's amazing. Yeah. I was in there all the time because mm. I was producing the Saturday night rally and... Uh, so the amazing thing during that year, we brought in Corey Ten Boom. Uh, Jason, I know, has used her story a couple times as an illustration. Mm -hmm. Dutch family helped Jews escape Nazi Germany, got discovered. Her Dutch family was in concentration camps. And uh, it's just an unbelievable story of faith. And um, uh, so she had written a book called The Hiding Place. I highly recommend it. So she, and a movie was coming out, and so she is going to come and speak at our Youth for Christ rally. Uh, you know, the auditorium, I think, seats around 1,400. It was jam-packed. We turned away almost 1,000 people. There was no <laughs> video back in those days. Come on. And uh, so while the games, the shenanigans, the music are going, I'm backstage sitting in the pastor's study talking with Corey Ten Boom alone for half an hour. I felt like I was experiencing Hebrews chapter 11. Mm. She needs to be in the hall of faith. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it came time for her to speak, and I uh, escorted her on the stage. The, the crowd erupts with applause and cheering. She's, Corey is holding my arm. We come up to the podium, and I don't know why I hadn't thought this through, but we had a corsage with a huge stick pin on the podium. <laughs> and I was supposed to pin this corsage on Corey Temple. Mm -hmm. I freaked out inside. I went, oh, no, I've never pinned a flower on a girl in my life. Mm. 
And I'm, I, I'm usually pretty calm up front, but I started shaking. And God, I felt like God was saying, relax, Byron, mm. it's okay. Remember, she did survive a concentration camp. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. She'll be so fine. Th- so then I smiled, and so she helped me out. She said, oh, Sonny, in her mm. Dutch accent, let me do it. So yeah. she took the corsage, pinned it on herself, and everybody applauded and cheered as I walked oh off gosh. the stage in shame because I couldn't pin a flower on Yeah. Her. And the reason that's a highlight for me is because next year, as I am finishing up, uh, we're going to be in that same building, that same church, over 130 years old, but now mm. it's going to be an Eagle Brook campus, and God's going to use it, Amazing. I Come think, on. to mm-hmm. dramatically change cool. Minneapolis. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so it's a full circle yep. experience. Mm-hmm. So that's a highlight. And can I just encourage anyone listening? That's what God does. He's, yeah. a, mm-hmm. he's a redeeming God. He brings things full circle. Mm-hmm. So uh, so hang in there and keep mm-hmm. learning mm-hmm. from the others around you. Man, that's that's amazing. Yep. Yep. Um, hey, just to finish up, mm-hmm. um, Don, I, I recently saw a Barna study that said 40% of pastors are close to quitting in 2022. I was just with a senior pastor this morning. He was saying, man, in that 2020, 2021 years, they had to shut down for 11 months. They're mobile. He was like... I'm, he thought about, he said, I thought about quitting every week, every week. He said, now he's doing much better, but there's a lot of ministry leaders who are just hanging on, Mm -hmm. struggling to overcome the last three years. What would you say to them, Don? And then Byron, maybe we'll hear from you and we'll close things up. I was going to say, I mean, it's going to be hard to beat Byron's answer. (laughs) Um, uh, Number one, know, listen to this podcast. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right, That's so right. go back and just replay, replay that. Yeah, replay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but those <laughs> those reminders of purpose, especially people, passion. I mean that that is what yeah. anchors me. Honestly, yeah. is the people you get to impact. Yeah, and honestly, the purpose of. I really do believe what we're doing in ministry is part of the potential solution to the darkness that's all around us. And like, what else would you do to help counter that darkness? I do believe the church. I mean, I do believe the gospel is the hope of the world. And so for us to bring that forward, I think leaders that are maybe a little dizzy right now is to go back to those reminders of people, purpose, passion. But that purpose thing of... Give your life to what's going to make a difference. I mean, what else are we called to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we're just in the epicenter of this battle, and yeah. you do you do fantasize about doing other things because the battle can be so intense—the spiritual battle, the physical, the emotional, all mm-hmm. those things. But then, when you are reminded of the purpose, mm-hmm. like what what else? Yeah. You know, right. who else? Um, not that God needs only me, but I want to help fight against the darkness. And mm-hmm. even as you're in the midst of that battle to be reminded of the why. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I would say Critical. the same thing, just to encourage people to to really dig into the why. Why did they start in the first place? Um, I, I work out at this gym and there's a sign that says something, um, remember why you started in the first place. Mm. Just that phrase, mm. you know, remember the why. Because yeah. everyone starts the gym with this aspiration, they're going to lose weight, they're going to get healthy, they're going to run 25 miles a week, they're going to, have toned abs or whatever those things are. Reminded of the why, and that's that's true in, in ministry. You have to always be reminded yeah. of the why. Mm-hmm. But Byron, that's this great. has been an amazing conversation. Thank mm-hmm. you so much for just all of the things that you have done over the years. Your faithfulness, your ministry, the ways you've impacted Eaglebrook while you're here. But just 
thousands of lives have been impacted because of you, your speaking, your teaching, your leadership, all the things. And uh, I look forward to many years of ongoing mentorship mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. coffee meetings and mm-hmm. time spent with you. And I know, I, I believe it when you and Linda say that you're praying for me and have been praying for mm-hmm. me. Um, those aren't just words that yeah. you've actually done that. So what's next for you? Are you beach flip-flops besides the nap mm-hmm. on October 13th? But are what what's next? Grandkids, grandkid camp? Well, uh, we <laughs> Lots love more of those. We love beach. Yeah. Um, I don't uh, I'm past the age of of having flip-flops probably, you know. <laughs> uh, fallen arches. I got to wear tennis shoes. Oh, yes, I see. Yeah, um, orthotic. Uh, orthotic. Yes. Oh, and I, you know, I wear them absolutely. <laughs> Um, but no, the, um, the, the number one focus will be on Linda and family, yeah. those nine grandkids, yeah. um, and, and keeping up with them. I, I want them to think I'm their greatest fan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and oh, I, so recently when I told them I'm retiring, uh, one of our granddaughters who's eight may, she said, Oh, we'll get to spend more time with you. And I oh. said, yeah. And she, and she goes, now you're retiring when you turn 70. And I said, yeah. She goes, does that mean you'll have to stop driving? Oh. <laughs> and so somehow those are related. And so, so guys, uh, I may need to hitch a ride yeah, with you now. Totally. Drive you. That's okay. Uh, well, and to be very clear, I've said this a couple times. You still have a lot more ministry life. You're still yeah. going to be speaking, consulting, yes, the personal yeah. ministry, the care. There's it's more than just the official here, paycheck from Eagleburg mm, Church. Absolutely. We all know that. And here's so. the difference, John. <laughs> I'm not going to seek it out. Yep. I'm going to let God bring it yep. as He chooses. But yeah, yeah I I have speaking. Looking forward to that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll do mentoring, especially with some Eagle Brook staff. Good. And uh, yeah, awesome. Yeah. Hey, if I could just jump in before yeah. you uh, put the bow on the package here, John. Just my thank you to you too, Byron. I mean, you and I shared a wall for yeah. a few yeah. years while we worked in the Eagle Brook Association, and you had a direct impact on me and my leadership mm-hmm. and who I am even as a dad and a husband. And so your impact, I'm just one of the thousands Mm -hmm. that you have impacted. So uh, thank you. I don't have the authority to say the statement, but I'm going to say it. Well done, Mm -hmm. good and faithful servant. I mean, your ministry has been so strong Mm -hmm. here at Eagle Brook, which is just part of your story, Mm -hmm. that you've had such an impact to so many people. Mm -hmm. So so grateful. You guys are, thank you. It's so gracious of you guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thanks. A lot of teary-eyed Yep. <laughs> guys in this room, but yep. uh, we yeah, do wait need to get to be my up. age. You won't be able to stop trying. <laughs> yeah, <just> stop. <laughs> but really, truly, thanks so much, Byron. And that's all we got for this month's episode of the Uber Church Leadership Podcast. When leaders get better, the church gets better. And we know that you've learned from this leader right here. We'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us. Mm-hmm.